I'm Michael Laurie, and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello and welcome to the latest Ulster Rugby Roundup. I'm Gareth Hanna and with me are Jonathan Bradley. Howdy. And Adam McKenzie. Howdy. I totally forgot about your title, Jonathan. I'm sorry. Uh, you've, you've been away for a week so you've, you've lost all titles. <laughs> uh, today of course we'll be taking a look back at the career of Rory Best and as we now know the Ulster captain will be retiring from rugby altogether after the World Cup. We've got a game against Leinster to look ahead to but this week that has been by far trumped by Rory's news. So it was announced last Thursday and we already knew that Rory was going to be retiring from international duty, but he has confirmed he's done with Ulster as well. A surprise announcement? I think it is a surprise to a certain extent. Rory mentioned in his press conference last week about things that would make you want to play on. And he mentioned the European run and the signing of Jack McGrath. And it's sort of been well flagged how much Rory likes Jack McGrath both as a person and a player. And with Ulster's sort of return to being competitive this year, you would have thought that there was a possibility that he was thinking maybe one more crack at this. Because personally, I don't think Ulster are going to be in the mix for silverware this year. They could be, but you know they're going to be underdogs in both mm. a semi-final if they get there and a final if they get there. So it would take two huge performances. But if they can progress at the same rate from 12 months ago to now, from now to 12 months' time, you know, they, they could be... I don't the, think they can keep up that pace. Well, no, yeah. but they could certainly be in the mix for a yeah, Pro 14 title yeah. at that rate. And you would just... There'd be a temptation there. And I think when Rory was speaking and he said up to an hour before he addressed the media, he still wasn't sure, you know. There obviously was that... Um, sort of kernel of doubt of maybe going on here but then and it, it seemed very last minute in terms of when we heard about <laughs> it but like seriously like it was the media were only told what a couple of hours before and that's why none of us could make it we were all away but th- does that indicate that was it like was it a case of Rory arriving in Thursday morning going right we're doing this today or do you know what I mean it's maybe something that he was leaning on one side of and just wasn't sure of for a long time and then eventually just came to the decision. was like, right, let's let's get it out there and let's just do this. And you can't blame him because it's probably something that he has been thinking about for a long time and it's one of those ones where make your decision, get it out there and then that's it, that's your decision made, move on from that. Um, and... Yeah, it's, it's it's one where, I, personally, I thought he could go on for another year. And as Johnny was saying, whenever you look at what Ulster are building here, what, they, what they've done sort of in terms of recruitment for next year, making the squad a lot deeper going forward into next year and potentially challenging for uh, trophies whenever they can't this year or whenever we feel like they're maybe just one step short this year. Yeah, you, you thought maybe he would be at the forefront of that next year whenever he could... Uh, <clears throat> He wouldn't have Ireland in the way he would be able to be with the squad for the whole season. He would be able to really be completely invested in Ulster without having to leave the squad during parts of the season. It would really be a one final hurrah with Ulster, which he hasn't had because he's been away with Ireland so much and with the Lions and all that. So I think there were, there were definitely a lot of merits in terms of yeah, you play on for one more season, finish off with Ulster. You've you've done your swan song with Ireland during the World Cup. Now you get your swan song with Ulster. Mm-hmm. Personally, I thought that would have been a nicer way to go out. But look, he he's made his decision. He's uh, he's decided that now's the time to buy out. And 
you can't hold anything against him. He's had such an incredible career that uh, he leaves this game with no regrets, I'm sure. I think the flip side to that is, you know, you can have your swan song with Ulster, but to retire after a World Cup is going out at the very, very top of the mm. game. And, you know, Rory's... Not all, if you get knocked out in the groups too. Well, that's true. <laughs> if, you get beat by, if you get beat by Russia and Samoa and get knocked out <laughs> in the pool stages, yeah. Um, Not but, <laughs> um Like, Rory has spoken quite a few times about, um, you know, his brother's retirement and how his brother wasn't able to go out on his own terms. And you think back even to Rory's Ireland predecessor, Paul O'Connell, who had planned to do the World Cup and then go on Mm -hmm. and have a, not a monster sojourn, but a club sojourn, and then that didn't happen. You know, there's no guarantees in this game. And I think... I think Rory is somebody who's looked at it and thought, if I can go out on my own terms at the World Cup, hopefully, having won the World Cup, there's no better way to finish. Whether that means that he doesn't get the um, hero send-off from Ulster that, say, Rui and Pienaar got, but at the end of the day, Rory's always going to be seen as an Ulster hero no matter what happens in the next three weeks or whether he came back. And the other thing as well is... Um, the potential, you know, la- the last time we had a World Cup, Irish rugby the year after, because you're drawing from a shallow pool. Like Irish rugby had a terrible season off the back of that. Mm-hmm. So this has been a good season for Ulster, and Best will be signing off on a good season yeah. with Ulster. Whereas, as much as you're saying, you know, if this progression keeps going, if you fall flat and get knocked out in the pool stages of Europe and don't make yeah. the playoffs in the Pro 14, then it's a horrible way to sign <laughs> off, really, you know. Andy mentioned like, that part of his thought process was, is his body still going to be the same? Is he going to be able to perform the same in 12 months' time? He's yeah. not sure. So one that's one the of the things I'm well. sure he wanted to avoid was potentially you know, having a down season personally yeah. as well, because... You think back to Ron O'Gara whenever he was uh, retiring. Absolutely incredible servant to both Irish and Munster rugby. But towards the tail end of his career, there were people who were questioning, you know, okay, is, is it time for you to go? Is it time for you to let someone else take over? Regardless of what he'd done in, in the past, and I think Rory's probably wanting to avoid that as well, where he can go out on a high, remembered as being the best hooker in Ireland for his entire career, for being the best hooker in Ulster, Ulster for his entire career, and pretty much going out where, if there was an Ulster Hall of Fame, he'd be one of the first inducted mm-hmm. into it. Or uh, an Ulster Mount Rushmore. Indeed. As some would put it. <laughs> Indeed. I think I, I like that. That you? was, that was yeah. Jonathan's comment piece for anybody that hasn't read it. If not, why not? Uh, on Rory's retirement, it's very good. I don't think there's any. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that he's, for me certainly in terms of impact on the organisation, that he's right up there with, as I said, Jack Kyle, Mike Gibson, and Willie John McBride. And I'm just glad that the guys didn't make up a little. Uh, a little picture of an Ulster Mount Rushmore for the back page that day. Well, I think like obviously. Um, Billy, who would be our, our crack page designer, would be the kind of guy that would relish that sort of challenge. He was on holiday, as, well, as was I. <laughs> but, That's another story. Yeah, so I, think, I think we were, we were short-handed, given the, the week that was in us being Easter. <laughs> um, before we go any further, as we mentioned earlier, Rory did speak to the press then on Thursday regarding uh, his decision. So let's hear a little bit of what he, what he had to say. Uh, look, I think it's... <laughs> 
God, Mark, mind you start that one again? Jeez. Um, look, I think it's it's ultimately, I think you know that when the time's right, I always sort of wanted to go out in my terms, and I feel like like this is this is right for me now. Um, but it's, it's so strange being here after so many years, but look, I feel I'm playing good rugby, but I also, you have to be realistic and try to fast forward 12 months and, you know, do you think you're going to be in the right place? Maybe. But there's also a bit of a maybe not to that, and that's the that's probably the hardest bit of it. It's kind of one of those, you know, you're making this announcement today, and it just feels it feels like a full stop. But like I was saying to some of the to the kids, I said that it's actually it's November. You know, November when you think about how long that is, you know, we have all of spring, um, you've all of all or all of summer, all of autumn to get through. You know, so it's it's a long way away, November. But it doesn't feel like that at the minute. Um, so for me, it's about concentrating on trying to contribute whatever I can to Ulster for the, the remainder of the season. And then it's a big summer and, and hopefully a really, really big autumn for us. And I think I was fairly sure about six months ago. Um, but actually in that, I was probably more sure six months ago. And in the time between then, and, and there's little things along the way where you kind of go, like I think with the, the Jack McGrath signing, um, you know, the way we performed at the tail end of Europe, that Leicester game away, going 13 0 down in a, in a high pressurised game, then the quarter final, they're all the moments that you go, I want to play in these. But like I say, I was fairly sure, in fact, I was positive six months ago, I was fairly sure two or three months ago, and probably two or three hours ago, I wasn't sure, but look, that's the way it is. Having Captain Dulster for so long, I was quite um, sad that. The first time I'd ever lifted something as a captain was was the Grand Slam. When I say sad, it was obviously wasn't sad that it was a Grand Slam. But you know, to have been around teams so long and to have fallen short on so many occasions, um, and look, ultimately, it would be a dream come true to win something this season with Ulster. But at the same time, I think you you feel a part of something here, you know. And if it happens next year, the year after, you then become a supporter and. This has sort of been a club that I've invested a lot of time in as a player, but before that as a as a supporter. And look, I would just be delighted to see the boys winning something. Like I say, hopefully it's this year and I don't have to curse at them down the TV before I celebrate. Ulster Rugby will go on. It was it was very successful long before me and it'll be very successful long after me. But you know, I think when you give so much to something it is very difficult to say goodbye to it. So is, is Rory going to get his Ulster swan song, as I mentioned it earlier? What's the chances with this ankle injury? Is he going to play again? Looking at the the way people are talking about it, I don't think there's any guarantee he plays against Connacht. And I think then that what you're really... It's you know it's in the lap of the gods if you beat Connacht. Yeah. I'd say... The, I, I'll put it like this. I would say they're not confident of him playing against Connacht, but they'd be very confident of him playing in a semi-final because that's the sort of timeline of the injury so he would be coming back a tick early to play in the quarter-final and the way that the time frame has been pitched he would be probably ready in that down week between quarter-final and semi-final if they get there right which means that his last game for Ulster at Kingspan Stadium would have been Rassing back in January which is mad which yeah, is absolutely is kind of crazy. crazy. Like, if, you, if you told me back then that you know, you're know you watching Rory Best's last game in Belfast, I would have said you were mad. I <laughs> yeah. think, though, because he had like um, 
because there was the real potential for it to be his last European game. Um, like he still had the mm. family in the changing room and still got pictures with all the guys and stuff. So he still has sort of the the send off, yeah, yeah, the mementos as it were. Even though he didn't realise at the time that it may well have been his last game at Rivenhill. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that after the Connacht game, if he doesn't play, like there is still the small potential that he will. We expect not, but after the Connacht game, you'll probably have something for him, like walk around the pitch or maybe some kind of presentation to him uh, on his way out. But it would be a, a real shame if he didn't get one yeah. more game at Kingsman Stadium after announcing the retirement. It's, it's one thing getting your send-off you know, in, the, yeah. in the European game, but to be able to actually go out uh, against Connacht, play your heart out, then be substituted, say, in the 70th minute and get that standing ovation mm-hmm. one last time in yeah. front of your home crowd, that, that would be the perfect way to sign off. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, Things don't work out ideally in the the real world. Given the importance of the the game itself for the team rather than just Rory, they're not going to take any risks whenever you have good backup there. Like, oh yeah, Yeah. and but look, we're talking about that game being essentially two weeks from now. So it's been sort of two and a half weeks since um, there was any sort of information really on Rory's potential to play in it. And two and a half weeks when you're talking about an injury that the time frame's sort of six weeks is a vast amount of time so there's nothing to say that he can't make progress over these next two yeah. weeks and play against Connacht it's just as we sit here two weeks out from the game yeah. it doesn't look like he's going to yeah. play you know you say here people might notice a change in background noise I don't know whether the the atmosphere sounds different it is different we're at uh, the dub where Ulster are training this morning Monday morning and going to host a little press conference here today where Dan McFarland's going to talk to the media Um what has Rory best meant to Ulster? How best to sum that up? Good grief! <laughs> How long have you got? I think I think he's he's the heartbeat of the team. I think he's the compass of the team, and I think he sets the tone for the organisation. And I think that's been the case for really about a decade I mean even when Johan Muller was here they were sort of a, they were a good almost double act really um, in fulfilling that role and I th- think when you like as I've said before he's the most important Ulster player of the professional era I know we've talked about it before in the podcast but do you think in years to come, um, we'll look back at Rory Best and his significance. The fact that he uh, led Ireland to two victories over the All Blacks, won two Grand Slams, captained Ireland for one of those. I think it has been a case of just what he is has been unappreciated while he's still here. I think I'm playing of it sounds like he's going down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think 100% you're right. Um, if you took those stats and put them on players from any other team you'd be thinking you know this this guy will go down as one of the legends of the team and while Rory will go down as one of the one of the legends of this team you you almost forget that he's done that as as a player while with Ulster the longevity of his career the fact that he's held the position that he had with Ireland for so long is a testament to just how important he's been and the fact that Every time that someone, you know, every time there were clamours for him to be replaced as hooker for Ireland, 
Every time someone tried to take that place, they just couldn't live up to the standards that Best had created. You know, the, there was so much pressure on the likes of Cronin, on the likes of uh, Strauss, on the likes of Scannell to come in and, and take his place in the Ireland squad, and none of them could perform to a consistently high level like Rory does week in, week out to replace him. And I think that that's something that's always forgotten. You know, every time someone said, well, maybe we should look at someone else as hooker for Ireland, they just couldn't live up to the pressure and the standards that best drove every single week for Ireland. And that's one of the most underappreciated things because... You can look at everything he's done for Ireland. You can look at the the caps. You can look at the trophies. You can look at the important wins. The fact that he held his position as starting hooker for Ireland for however many years it was is a testament to just how good he has been. And everything that has stemmed from that, the captaincy, the, uh, the trophies, are just a testament to the fact that he has been the heartbeat of this Irish team as well as with Ulster. So we mentioned those achievements earlier. He's made uh, over 200 appearances for Ulster, 117 for Ireland. He's won four Six Nations in all, a Celtic League title with Ulster, and has been on two Lions tours. Pretty good, isn't it? It's not a bad CV, like. If you'd offered him that when he was knocking about at Banbridge as a kid, I'm sure he'd have been happy enough. (laughs) So with Roger Wilson, Tommy Bow and Andy Trimble having retired in recent seasons... Rory's retirement means that nobody at Ulster has won a medal with Ulster. Next season. Crazy. Well, it's not really crazy when you think about it, I suppose. But not when you're talking about 13 years since the last one, anything, <laughs> yeah. but it's just... Um, <laughs> I know. It was always like an interesting stat that it was just the four of them, and then there was just the three of them, and then there was just <laughs> one of them, and now there's not. Well, there could be... Sorry, whole, unless, of course, there could they be a whole squad of them in a few weeks' time. Could be 50-odd of them. Has Sam Carter won anything with the Brumbies? Would he come over with a winner's medal? Oh, well, like people, uh, people with, have won stuff, but not with Ulster, because uh, obviously yeah, yeah. everyone that was at Leinster's won. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> won lots. Have you got a, a favourite uh, Rory Best moment? I've got a favourite Rory Best moment, kind of off the pitch, kind of on the pitch, um, after the win over Leicester, where um, they went six from six in the pool stages. There was a group of fans down below me to the left who, as the players started walking back towards them, started singing, we all dream of a team of Rory Bests, a team of Rory Bests, and then at one, it's Rory Best, at two, it's Rory Best. Uh, he was lapping that up, he was loving it. Um, Give me a real stag D flashbacks for that, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so that, um, but the, they were loving it, he was loving it, everyone was in such a party atmosphere after that win, so... Um, that that's just one of my favourite moments. That's kind of, as I said, kind of on the pitch, kind of off the yeah. pitch. Um, on the pitch, I still love that dedication. Whenever he uh, broke his arm against the All Blacks and kept playing on, <laughs> like there was no thought in his mind whatsoever yeah. to go to the side of the pitch and get it looked at. He went back into the, the defensive line, and I think he made two more tackles yeah. after he broke his arm. Definitely, definitely clears out a rock with a broken. It clears out not. That clears out a rock as well. Like that's that's insane. That's the kind yeah. of dedication you want from every single player. If you could take that dedication and replicate it and put it into every player, you would do it without a moment's hesitation. Borderline mental, really. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that, I think that was, that was probably going to be mine as well. I think um, 
But to see to see him captain the All Black, or sorry, to see him captain Ireland to victory over the All Blacks in Soldier Field um, with the the number eight for Anthony Foley on the pitch and just to have I suppose somebody from Ulster. I mean that's one of the great all time Ulster rugby achievements really um, to have an Ulsterman captain be the first yeah. Irish captain to beat the All Blacks and I think something that I've really enjoyed watching in sort of the latter years of Rory Best's career has been how involved his family have been with the the tail end of his career now his son Ben is now at a stage where he wants to go to Ulster games whenever Rory Best isn't playing so I don't know how he's going to take that um, <laughs> next year but I think to see like Rory Best's children grow up and for him to have them on the on the field after all the big events and because Rory's played on so long they're now at an age where they'll remember him being the Ireland captain and they'll remember being on you know yeah. the field at Lansdowne Road or the field at Ravenhill and have the pictures and stuff so I think it's been, it's been really nice to see him play on for so long that his children have those really special memories because as he's mm-hmm. said a lot not everybody's afforded that right, you yeah. know. Um, you look at Darren Cave, he's retiring at the age of 32, um, just about to become a father. You know, Rory obviously had his family quite young, but an awful lot of people and players that he's come up with have had to retire through injury earlier than that. They haven't got to go in their own terms, so I think that's been something that's great to see. And he's always been a really good interview as well, so mm-hmm. I'll definitely miss that because he's very... Um, and, like, Cavey's another... Um, Tommy, Trimby, Chris Henry, all these guys that have sort of reti- Paul Marshall, all these guys that have retired recently were of a certain vintage, I suppose, and therefore of a certain attitude to doing media because they probably started the careers before media training. Yeah. So probably a different approach to it. <laughs> Just go out there and say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, to a certain degree. Like Rory would always tell you something interesting. Like I remember having a few. Uh, sit down one on ones with him where he's just quite an interesting guy and you'll, you'll probably miss having those conversations and coming away like you've learned something about the game rather than, or learned something about the team rather than just being like these boys are really scared about what dragons are going to do at the weekend we need to stop using dragons as the negative <laughs> yeah, you know. like, it's very disparaging towards the dragons <laughs> but um, there is a reason <laughs> Yeah, um, but I think there's there's certainly be a crack in autobiography in Rory Best, so I look forward to reading that. You be a ghostwriter? Is this? I was going to say, pitch? are you secretly hoping you're going <laughs> to write it? I genuinely think that would probably go to somebody more accomplished than me. Don't you, <laughs> don't, don't you've written the book. It's because you didn't get your full title at the start. You've forgotten. That's it. You've yeah. forgotten who you really are. <laughs> um, as we said earlier, Dan McFarland is about to face the media at this very table, uh, which we set out right now. So let's. Uh, Go forward into the future and hear a little bit of what Dan McFarland has to say on Rory Best. I, I, I don't think um, I don't think there's uh, there's there are many coaches around who would have said if I had Rory Best to be a part of your squad, you'd say no, I don't want him. You know, that's just not happening, is it? Um, but you have to respect uh, the fact that. Rory is, is, is coming to a crescendo in his career with the World Cup and captaincy of Ireland and 
he understands where he is as a as a player now. Uh, he's 36 years old, and I think you know, speaking to him and reading what he's he's, he's talked about, uh, he also understands that it's not going to go on forever. So he understands that uh, uh, he wants to go out where he knows that he's playing his best rugby. So you know, that's, that's, that's his decision. In terms of those Lions tours then that we mentioned earlier, is that one thing that we'll look back on and say Roy Best was hard done by uh, with the Lions? Because he never played on an actual test, isn't that right? Very much so. Yeah, I think like especially when you think about 2013 when he only got called up due to Dylan Hartley's indiscretions in the Premiership final. And to say at that stage of his career that he wasn't one of the three best um, hookers available to the Lions seemed a bit crazy yeah. and then he obviously gets called up captains the midweek team but doesn't play in a test and well he, he did captain the midweek team in a defeat yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think he just got unlucky that I'm not going to say that Gatlin didn't like him I think Gatlin just didn't like his style of play he obviously had Richard Hibbard in his squad who he knew so well from Wales um, for some reason he preferred Dylan Hartley it's it's one of those ones where sometimes an alliance tour you can either get extremely lucky or you can get very unlucky you know Tom Court getting called up to the Lions is just one of those things that happens uh, by, uh, by chance you know because you happen to be geographically close same with Shane Williams getting called up as well best Best deserves so much more from the Lions, and it is a crying shame that he didn't get more. But it's one of those ones where if a different coach had been there, if there were a couple injuries, you know, it would have been completely different. He deserved at least one test cap from was the, the Lions. Sorry, pardon my memory. Who was the other hooker? He was the second hooker in 2013 that was That's what I was trying to remember. Was it uh, Ross Ford? Could have been Ross Ford, but for some reason I thought Ross Ford went in 2009. Did he not, did he he not go on Did he go twice? I'll try and look it up, but let, let's keep the chat going while no. we do that. That's Basically, <laughs> the, the point that I was going to make is I think Rory Best has had a far better career than any of those um, other hookers that have won Lions Test Cup. Tom Young's. Tom yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think like Roy Best has had a better career than those guys, but as Adam points out, Lions tours are so much about where you are at that specific moment in time. Like mm-hmm. the example that I always use is Andrew Trimble. Like if the Lions tour had been twenty fourteen, Andrew Trimble would have been a lion. It doesn't change his career. What now for Rory then? Um, rugby career is finished. What happens? Is he going to stay involved? In he'll he'll go back to the farm. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, but. Well, is there any room for involvement? He could obviously go back to the farm. Um, I think given his depth of technical knowledge, especially when it comes to scrummaging, I think we'll definitely see him involved in the game in some capacity. That might be mm-hmm. Banbridge, you know, to start with. I was speaking to... I was, that was my next question. Is he going to be lined up I was, I was speaking to someone year? from Banbridge, and he goes, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll have Rory Best lined up for us next year. And I was like... Are you serious? <laughs> so I, I think I think the question will probably be asked. It'll probably be rejected. I, I would imagine Rory will probably like to take his retirement 
completely off the pitch. But I, I would also imagine the question will be asked, you know, would you like to mm. come and do some coaching, even in a very limited capacity? You know, we're not talking like go and be head coach at Banbridge or anything like that, but even just to come in and lend his expertise once a week or something like that. Um, as Joey said, I'd be very surprised if he went completely away from rugby. He's mm. got too much still to give to the game to completely walk away. There'll be there'll be no shortage of people looking for him to give some help uh, here and there. And given how much he loves Banbridge as a club, I would be very surprised if it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Did you, has he shown any interest in becoming a coach? Like, could he be back at Ulster and that sort of side of things? Well, I think he's mentioned it as a possibility, as he's mentioned going okay. to the farm as a possibility. Yeah. Um, There'll obviously be lots of opportunities for media work as well. Um, yeah. So a lot of these boys now looking for media work, obviously, <laughs> and um, with Kavi as well joining that group, and he's uh, you know he's a natural with a microphone in front of him. So um, if we could see an awful lot of very familiar faces doing yeah, a lot of media sure. work in the next few years, but um, I think it's important. Like not everybody does a Jared Payne and basically becomes a professional coach straight off the back of mm-hmm. retiring. You know, so I. To be honest, I would suspect that you would see him if he was to coach to start at Bambridge yeah. um, rather than Ulster. Yeah. Martin McGowan asks, with Rory's retirement confirmed and assuming they stick with four in the squad, do Ulster rely on what they have at Hooker and offer Zach McCall a new contract or do they recruit? Personally, I would because I think it's really important that... Would, would what? There were two options there. <laughs> So I would stick. I would stick with what you have because okay. personally, I think it's really, really important that you get Adam McBurney an awful lot of exposure and an awful lot of minutes, and John Andrew as well. And if that means having Zach McCall as your fourth choice, that's fine. I think that's good as well. You know, he's somebody who's been in the system for a good long while and is probably looking to make that jump as well. But with Royal Pairing, and you expect Royal Pairing to be away with Ireland, Royal Pairing is more than capable of performing at this level and I would want to see the guys below him get minutes rather than bring somebody yeah. else in. Adam, the South Wales URSC ask who should be the next Ulster captain? Logically you would say Hendy. You would say he, he's sort of been uh, mentored almost this season to take over next year. Um, but again, he's going to be away with Ireland a lot so it might be one of those ones where Henderson is club captain, but you see someone else taking on the captaincy more. Um, potentially Marcel as someone who has really established himself as a leader within the squad. Potentially Sam Carter, um, who yeah. has captaincy experience with the Brumbies. Will Allison captain? Um, uh, although I suppose he, he's well, going to be away the same amount that Henley's going to be away. Well, he be, you feel bad for Allison because he's probably missed out on the World Cup now with his injury and. That's a frustration given how well he was going, but um, yeah, you could certainly see him captain on the side uh, as well with his experience during the World Cup, but then again you'd expect him to be away with Ireland sort of the, during the Six Nations, so the, there are candidates in there, but personally I would expect Henderson to be the named captain, mm, yeah. but maybe wouldn't captain the side much simply because he won't be there yeah. much. I like to think whoever it is will take the Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer approach to not parking in Sir Alex Ferguson's car parking space and just refuse to use like Rory's space in the car park. I would say the room there's not a no, mission because Rory has the best parking space and has done for quite some time and also has the best 
peg in the changing room because so he, he essentially invented the system mm. that the pegs were allocated in and the suspicion always was that Rory invented the system knowing that he would come out on top so you get whatever <laughs> it is five points for a Lions appearance three points for an Ireland appearance and one point for an Ulster appearance or whatever just just on that I haven't even thought about this who now with Best and Kiev both retiring at the end of the season who goes top now in terms of in terms of pegs I would say probably handy because yeah. the Lions and Ireland Cups get so much oh, weight yeah, yeah. whereas Gilly will have made the most Ulster appearances but I think Handy gets now peak peak peg, and we'll have that parking space right next to the. Congratulations! <laughs> it's it's going to be a great summer free in Handy. Yeah. <laughs> Just rocking back, and like, I can't wait to get into training. It'll cut like two and a half minutes off his commutes, not having to park at the other end. But uh, Lee Liddick becomes the team's oldest player, and he's like the same age as me, so that's really sad for me personally. Fantastic! Is there only one player over? 30, is that right? Or two players, maybe? I think Clive Ross is maybe Ross. turning 30. And mm-hmm. at the minute, Ian Nagel's in his 30s, but he okay. may be moving to be pastures more Italian, possibly. Oh, intriguing. Leinster on Saturday, then. Um, Kenny Gad asks, which fringe and squad players... Oh, yeah, we should. that's the final Pro 14 game. Sorry, I, like, I was so apathetic even to yeah, that. Let's, it's let's the final Pro 14 the fact game. game Nobody really cares, but uh, they are at home to Leinster at 5.15 on Saturday. It doesn't matter, they're going to finish second in the conference anyway, but regardless, uh, it will be interesting, if nothing else, in terms of selection. So Kenny Gad asks, which fringe and squad players do you expect to get minutes this, this weekend? Is, this is the deadest and rubberiest of dead rubber games <laughs> there has ever been. <laughs> A real rubbery feeling. Yeah. <laughs> like there is literally nothing on the line here. So, is, is there it, anything to be said for the fact that Leinster won here last year, and you don't want to like go on a home losing streak to Leinster? Does that matter? Does that matter? Well, it, it, it's going to be important if for whatever fringe and squad players come into the side. It's going to be an important day for them. It'll be a really important day to make sure no props get injured because there's only four of them left. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> me and you lining out a prop then, just to be safe. I have virtually no upper body strength whatsoever. <laughs> I <so> have <laughs> literally none. Well, this is one where you'll you'll probably see anybody who you can't afford to risk will not play. Yeah. So, you're talking probably your two starting props, um, because you know we've only got four left. Um, you're probably talking Rob Herring. Won't play. Henderson probably won't play. Katsia Murphy probably won't play. Um, you're you're talking pretty much the second string side yeah. with with a few first teamers thrown in there. It's not going to be a full strength side, mm-hmm. and I, I would be very surprised if it was. The only issue is, I suppose, rust because we've seen throughout this season sometimes mm-hmm. in the first game back after two. Two weeks off, which is really three weeks off if you take in the game week. Um, there's been a bit of rust, so you have to work out which players can bounce straight back in. We've seen, obviously, in Henderson can bounce straight back in without missing a beat. Lou Marshall bounced straight back in after 10 months without missing a beat. But you have to counteract that build-up of rust that we've seen at points throughout this season because... It would be the biggest letdown, I think, after everything that's gone this season, if you lost 
a home quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. Have we worked at it for calling them quarterfinals? They're not strictly speaking quarterfinals. No, we absolutely are. Like yeah. I know, I know that we are, but they're semifinals B. Yeah, like <laughs> which qualify you for semifinals A. Like the top, the top fourteen call them the barrage round, but I, I top fourteen have like really messed up their playoffs. So I, I have no idea how to address that. Well, as we said, Dan McFarland is going to face the media. So if he does say, give us any indication as to what he's going to do with the squad this weekend, we'll drop it in right here. Well, we're asking, and I'll be here. So hopefully he's going to play. Yeah, we know that. So here's well, Dan. we don't because. Sean Reedy did media last week and then was on the bench. Just let me do my link. Sorry. Here's that. <laughs> got a, we've got a few niggles in there. Um, so there are a few guys not training at the moment. Uh, we're waiting on a few fellas. We'll probably change it around this week as well. We'll make a few changes uh, from the, uh, or quite a lot of changes from the Edinburgh game. Uh, I'll give an opportunity to a, a few other guys to play at home at Kingspan in, a, in an Interpro. You know, Dave Buzz Peel play at the weekend, um, and uh, Dave's. You know, I think Dave's planned uh, comeback date was was not even now, and he's worked so hard to come back. And you know, he's played for Bound the Hinch, and I watched that game, and he had a fantastic game for, for Bound the Hinch. And it'll be really special for him to be able to uh, to, to to play against Lancaster at Kingspan. There's a bit of noise coming out from outside, so it looks like the press conference is coming up very quickly. But we'll rattle through another couple of listener questions before we get kicked out of here. The Donal um, makes the point that we're all very complimentary of Billy Burns last week, and rightly so. But he would like to add uh, one criticism that he has that his kicks to the corners tend to be very short, and with Ulster's line out such a potent weapon, uh, it's a shame that he can't get us close, uh, closer. Is that unfair? We miss them, like. Christian Lele Afano banana kicks around in the <laughs> corner. Uh, that, that's not something I've, first of all, been hugely aware of, or second of all, I'm hugely concerned about. I mean, yeah, you, you obviously want those probing kicks right down into the corner, and like that, everybody wants that, but you're not exactly going to fall out with five metres here and there, you know, okay, it sets you back a wee bit, but if your mall's good enough, you'll win a penalty off anyway, and then you'll kick even closer with the next one, so it's it's not something that I I would be overly concerned about. If you can get it closer to the corner, that's, that's great, but... If that's the biggest problem, we're doing all right. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Weir, has Rob Herring done enough to get himself a place at the World Cup squad? I think he's certainly got it done more than enough to get him a place in that wider World Cup squad and then if he can come in and impress in those warm-up games and more crucially impress in camp because we know how much um, Joe Schmidt or how much stock Joe Schmidt places in camps so Rob Herring is one of those players that I think is going to probably go away this summer and barely have a holiday and just train and he's going to come in I think in great shape looking to catch a jump because hooker's one of those things where you know there's only three going and there's going to be four there um, Best has already got one of the spots yeah. secured so, <laughs> so you you're, you're battling for one of two spots mm-hmm. against three other guys or sorry against two other guys yeah, so yeah, you've so. got Scannell and Tracy and Cronin so Tracy's I would say certainly the outside bet um, Cronin you know has started and then been bombed out of the 23 entirely. He's got a rocky relationship with Joe Schmidt, so that's going to be an interesting one to watch. But Rob Herring's been in great form, and if he can carry that on, certainly I think he's provisionally on the plane. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. 
Uh, Anthony English asks, and this is something I must say I haven't really considered, but looking back at Stockdale playing at 15 against Edinburgh and looking at the depth Ulster should have for the wing in the next few years, and considering Ireland's lack of depth at 15, could fullback be his long-term position? Or do we just see him staying out in the wing? But the thing with 15 and wing is they are largely interchangeable. You'll see during a game, simply based on where players have found themselves on the pitch, whenever you're dropping yeah. back, wings and 15 will sometimes just interchange purely based on situations. So... But just because moving Stockdale to 15, okay, it means he'll be subjected to a few more high balls, but I wouldn't say that the difference would be too huge. But personally, I feel defensively, Stockdale still has a little bit to work on, so I think he's better still out on the wing at the moment. We've seen Addison do so well at 15. We've seen Ludic come in and be so solid at 15. Little can play 15. He's been incredible this year coming back. So... It's one of those ones where you do sort of have a, a good group of players who can play 15. And it's all about wearing them. And Fattis can play 15 as well. So, you know, you, you, there are a lot of players you can throw into that 15 mix that you, you shouldn't really put Stockdale as, you know, this would be his position going forward. Mm-hmm. It should just be a position that he can play. Yeah. And then it's about assessing your options during the week and working out, okay, well... Are we best served if we put Jacob at 15 and two other guys on the wing? Or are we best served if we put Jacob on the wing, someone else on the other wing and someone at fullback? So I, I don't think you should ne- necessarily shoehorn him in at 15 simply because he had one good game there. I think it's simply a case of saying, well, look, he did well there. We now know we have the option of putting him there. But per- personally, I still think wing is where he's better suited simply because I think he's so much better offensively than defensively and therefore he's better suited to the wing. I know there was a there's a lot of talk last week about comparing, you know, that it, it's better to have an attacking minded fifteen than a defensive minded fifteen. There's more merit to that. I don't know, I, I think maybe you, especially in a great system like Jared Payne has produced with Ulster you maybe want to prioritise defence in your 15 but there's different ways that's a long winded way of saying I wouldn't shoehorn him into 15 but simply know that he's an option yeah. there Yeah, because like Andrew Conway can play 15 or wing and you see him pop up at both Journal Armour can play both You know, there's no harm yeah. in being able to play both Ben Smith is probably the prototype of somebody that's world class at both. Mm. And to use another old like example, it's not like a man on these situation where somebody comes up as a wing gets shifted position and never plays wing again. Um, you know, I think what you have is somebody who can play a variety of positions and maybe like Jacob, if when he gets to the age of me and Louis Ludic loses his pace a bit. <laughs> And then you see him play 13, you know, like he will move around throughout his career, but he's so devastating on the wing. And I think mm-hmm. there'd be a real temptation to say that his boot would be a huge asset at fullback. But if you don't get him the ball on the wing in those one on ones, do you lose that chip and chase element that's yeah. such a huge part of his game exactly. as well? Uh, on to the clubs then. Um, uh, a great weekend for Ulster clubs in the Ireland playoffs last weekend, and a massive one coming up. Yeah, but we'll start with some disappointment uh, in the Bateman Doll Ireland Cup final where City of Armagh went down to uh, 
Trinity, wasn't it? Um, great expectations there, but unfortunately lost 45-21 to Gary Owen in the final. Um, but we know they'll bounce back. Uh, in Division 1B in the promotion playoff semi-final, really good win for Queen's University going on the road to Buccaneers and winning 30-24, having to survive for a long time at the end there before getting a turnover to win. That's a superb win for them as Buccaneers, that's back-to-back relegations for them Mm -hmm. and they'll drop down to 2A next year. And in the Division 2A promotion playoff semi-final, another big away win for an Ulster club as Rainy Old Boys beat Greystones 23-20. That's a great result for them. So looking ahead to the fixtures, Rainy will now play Blackrock College, who are another side aiming to avoid back-to-back relegations. Um, They're away to Blackrock on Saturday at half past two, the winners of that game move up to Division 1B for next, or sorry, Division 2A for next year. the game for promotion to Division 1B sees Queens go away to Navan again at half two on Saturday. Um, and in the Division 1A promotion playoff semi final, which was put back a week, uh, Malone are away to UCC, who finished ninth in 1A this year. That's Saturday at half past two as well. The winner of that game will go on to face either Old Wesley or Nace for a place in 1A next year. I am right, it's Old Wesley and Nace, yes. And they're away both games, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Malone don't have, Malone don't have another home game. Yeah. No. So basically, by the end of this weekend, we'll know whether Queens or Rainey will be promoted, and we'll know whether Malone will have that playoff game to decide whether they join Balnehinch in one A. What do we expect? It's probably going to be an uphill battle for all three. I was pleasantly surprised that the other two teams won. This week having to go away because that's so difficult to mm-hmm. do, um, especially the distances that they had to, uh, mm-hmm. had to travel. Yeah. Um, I think as I said last week, like I've seen UCC before and they can be very good and they can be not so good. So it'll depend what pitch is up. But one um, one B was so close this year that if Malone can beat UCC, then it's a completely fifty fifty final because they'll be playing against another one B side. You know. Wh- what was it? There were only, I think it was, 12 points between 1st and 8th in 1B, which yeah, is insane. One week so, you were in the title race, and the next week you were thinking about relegation. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Banbridge, for a while, we talked about them potentially getting relegated, and they ended up they missing out on the playoffs by yeah. three points. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it was just an insane year. So, if Malone can beat UCC, then they've got as much a chance of getting into 1A next year as whoever they face next week. Um, Queens and Rainey are both up against it like they both face really tough away yeah. games but one of the key things they've already won away they, they've got to do it back to back that's the only thing but they've got the experience recent experience which will stand them in great stead for both teams I thought of Blackrock in fact about relegations is crazy Blackrock are one of those teams where whenever you hear about them you instinctively think big team and yeah. I think that's probably garnered by the school's reputation in terms of you know under-18s under playing in the Leinster Senior Schools Cup. Um, so for Rainey, if they could really, uh, if they could get off to a good start there, like that would be a big, big, uh, big, big game to win. Who went to Blackrock here? Geordie and McTimony? Uh, yes. There you go. Well, we're about to get kicked out, uh, I sense. So we'll wrap that up for this week. And um, we will be back, well, somebody will be back next week. I'm going to my holidays, so... I'll be here. 
You'll be here. Yeah. Adam will be here. I'll still be here. You're, I'll be you're me for the next yeah. few weeks. So yeah, enjoy yeah, that. Um, I'm in Canada. I couldn't care less. We'll, what we'll have that. somebody else. So yeah. is this I, your last podcast well, of the year? I'm back for if there is the final. We'll be back for that. Alright, okay. So, fingers crossed for so that. So, this is your last well, podcast of the year. Well, <laughs> even if we only reach the semi final, I'll be back for like a season review podcast. Yeah. We'll, do, we'll do a big, don't do a big season review without me. I'll say that. Okay, We'll do a big, right, we'll do a big right. proper one whenever I come back. So, there we are. That's us for this week, Luke. So, from Adam McKenna. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Hope um, everyone enjoyed Adam. that logistical chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much. As soon as we like mention that it's over, people turn off anyway. Yeah, I think nobody's listening to this stage, yeah, so okay. sure, nobody cares what's Yeah, just say, right. say something really <laughs> offensive. <laughs> Please don't. I'd just like to say it's Please good don't. to be back with all this Good, that was logistical nice. chat. Let's stop. Bye. <laughs>